I've spent a lot of time over the past two weeks learning about the Fed and interest rates and the money supply and Austrian economics compared to Keynesian economics. And I've been thinking about these things because I have now read and then reread many chapters of the Bitcoin standard, and I'm watching very closely to what Janet Yellen is going to do to try to combat the service sector recession that we are currently living through. And so the first question, just to set the stage, is this. How does the Fed print money? You'll see a lot of articles saying that the Fed is printing money like crazy in order to combat COVID in the service sector recession. And the obvious question that it took me a long time to answer is, so are they printing dollar bills? Like, are we talking about a money machine, like from Drake and Josh when they had that movie and there was like a money machine printing dollar bills? Is that what we're talking about? No, but yes. The Fed does literally print new dollar bills, but it also destroys dollar bills. When we talk about the Fed printing money or increasing the money supply, we're talking about something else, and that's lending. The way the Fed increases the money supply is they will buy bonds from banks and they will credit those banks with reserves in the new money gets created when those banks then go and loan those new reserves out. Because again, that bank didn't get a new deposit from a consumer. They got new money from the Fed that they are now loaning out. Hence, the money supply has been increased. So that is how money is printed in the United States and elsewhere. The central bank allows other banks to make loans with money that wasn't deposited from consumers. And so there is always more money out there than there are actual deposits backing up that money. And just to give you an example, let's say you had a bank that took in $10 from 10 people. Now that bank has $100. But let's say that bank then goes and makes eight $10 loans to eight people who are different than the 10 depositors. That bank has given $80 out, but at the same time, it's telling those other 10 depositors that they can come back and get their $10 anytime they want to. And what they're hoping is that no more than two of them will ever ask at the same time. Because if three people asked, they wouldn't have enough money to return the deposits. This is why we have a fractional reserve banking system. If three people were to ask, that bank would go to the central bank and say, hey, I need a loan to cover this deposit because they're trying to make a run on me right now. That's why the central bank is the lender of last resort. But be very clear here. If you tell 10 people who deposited money at your bank that they can come get it at any time, and then you loan 80% of that out to eight other people, there are 18 people who believe that they have $10, even though there's only $10 backing that up. That is how money gets created, through lending. So let's talk about the real big question, which is why do recessions happen? And it'll become very clear why I did that whole little diatribe on how money gets created. If you were to ask a Keynesian, 
If you were to ask someone like Janet Yellen, why do recessions happen? They'd say, because capitalism. Capitalism works most of the time, but every once in a while it goes too far. And that's what happened in 08, and to a certain extent, again, in 2020, even though you also had COVID helping to push the economy into a recession. And so if you're a Democrat, and also if you're a Republican, the answer or what the government is supposed to do in response to a recession is to become very activist, very interventionist. They do two things in particular. They try to spur investment and they try to spur consumption, investment by businesses and consumption by individuals to try to get the economy going. And the way they do this is by one, increasing the money supply, but at the same time, lowering the interest rate, right? If you have a lower interest rate, that means the price of a capital, the price of a loan has now gone down, which means that more people will want to get a loan. Similarly, if you increase the money supply, all of a sudden you have a temporary increase in the ability for individual consumers to go ahead and buy things, to consume. And so this is what Janet Yellen did when she was a part of the Obama administration, and this is what she will likely try to do as a part of the Biden administration as Treasury Secretary. Now, again, one thing that Keynesians never really explain is why recessions happen. It's just kind of like, oh, it's capitalism. Every once in a while, capitalism just goes too far. Not enough regulation. The Bitcoin Standard author, Safidon Amos, still don't know if I'm saying his name correctly, he would argue that, no, 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 no. It's not capitalism that causes recessions. It's unsound money and interest rate manipulation. What's so, what's so wild about these opposing factions is that the solution to recession that Keynesians offer is what Austrian economists like Amos will say is the reason recessions happen in the first place. Let's go through his logic. So if you have a bank that wants to increase the money supply, they're going to create money, like I said, by buying bonds from smaller banks and crediting them with reserves. They have now created money when those banks go ahead and lend. Now, when you give a bank all of these extra reserves, that bank wants to get rid of those and get those out there into the economy as quickly as possible. And if you just give them a bunch of new money, in order for them to be able to get that out quickly, they have to lower the interest rate. So the Fed can't actually tell the banks what to do, but they can incentivize them to do the thing that they want them to do. And so by lending, these banks are increasing the money supply and they are lowering the interest rate. And so what happens when you have an increased money supply and a lower interest rate is you have a bunch of producers that are now taking all of this very cheap money and they're gonna start going and building things and investing in different projects. But the key point to make here is that because new money has been created, there has been no deferred consumption. In a really good economy, in an economy that was not controlled by a central bank that didn't have unsound money that could be printed, the only money that would be available for investment would be money that individuals 
had set aside into a bank and just left there. If there was no money being created by all of this new lending, the only money to be lent would be the deposits of people, individuals, who put their money there. And if you have individuals that are saving, putting their money in a bank, then they are deferring their consumption, right? You can have investment without increased consumption, which is not what Keynesians and Janet Yellen is trying to do. The reason this gets so out of whack is because when there's no deferred consumption, the businesses that are creating consumption goods just keep on creating consumption goods. When you have all of this new money that investors want to use to purchase capital goods, the capital goods are not any higher relative to this new money. What that means is you have all of this new money chasing the same amount of capital goods. And what's going to happen eventually is the capital good producers are going to have to hike up the price. And usually this happens over time. And so you'll have lots of investors, lots of businesses that have taken money from all of these banks, very cheap. They've started projects. And then all of a sudden, the price of capital rises to a level where their project is no longer viable. The price has risen so much that they can no longer make a profit and they have to stop. And the key point to make here is that that would not happen if the amount of money that they were able to get from a bank was equal to the amount of money that was being saved by individuals. Because if individuals are saving, there's less businesses producing consumption goods, more businesses producing capital goods, and most importantly, because the price has not been manipulated, the investors can be sure that their project is going to be viable from start to finish and that there's not going to be a crazy price hike because of all this new money chasing the same amount of capital goods. What happens eventually is you have a bunch of businesses that can't finish their projects, they have to stop they have to lay off lots of people, and that's how you get mass unemployment and recessions. For Amos Safidin, the Bitcoin Standard author, it is this interest rate manipulation which leads to all of these malinvestments, all of these overextended businesses who then have to lay off lots of people, and that's how we get recessions. Whereas if you're a Keynesian, it's just capitalism and individuals that are CEOs that are overzealous and they go too far and they try to make too much money. And probably both sides have a point. At this moment in time, and I think this has a lot to do with recency bias because I just read this book from Safi Dean Amos, The Bitcoin Standard. I think that the interest rate manipulation does play a large role in the business cycles that we have in the United States. Every seven to 10 years, we have a really deep recession or depression or a retraction, <laughs> contraction, whatever you want to call it. And so the reason this is significant is because the question becomes, what should you do when a recession happens? Should you do what the Austrian economists believe creates more recessions? Or should you be activist and interventionist to try to save the economy and manage it? Well, a few notes to make here. One thing I don't like about the Keynesian ideology is that it pretends that the Fed isn't always managing the economy to some point. The basic hypothesis or thesis is that 
capitalism works sometimes, but then when it goes off the rails, the government has to step in. But that's not how the world works. The Fed is constantly controlling the economy. It's always setting a Fed funds rate. It's always trying to either increase or lower or keep interest rates at a certain level. And so if you were an Austrian economist, the way you would respond to a recession is by doing what the U.S. government did in 1920. It was a really interesting time. You had the Spanish flu in 1918 to 1920. You had World War I that ended in 1918. And you had lots of inflation and an increased money supply because the U.S. as well as other countries were printing money in order to finance World War I. Eventually, you have a recession in 1920, but the recession was over by 1921. It's one of the quickest recoveries we've ever had. And the way Safi Dine Mos tells it is it's because the government was very hands-off during that time. Warren Harding, I think, was the president. They lowered taxes, they lowered government spending, and they just allowed wages to adjust, which, by the way, is different than what Democrats or Republicans would do. Democrats love government spending, and Republicans love to lower taxes. In this case, what they did was all of those things, or rather the opposite of those things. They lowered taxes, and they lowered government spending, and they had no price controls. They just let wages adjust freely. They just kind of took their hands off the wheel. And by the way, that's not the kind of thing that would be tenable under a Democratic or a Republican administration in today's day and age. Because again, politicians can't be seen to be doing nothing, even if doing nothing may be exactly what the economy needs. To be clear, the 1920 recession was deep. It was really, really hard, but it was over quickly because to a certain extent, we learned our lesson. We paid the price of that increased money supply and increased inflation. What we do now is we kind of bail ourselves out and then we have a long extended recovery to boot. And that is what, if I was a betting man, I would bet is going to happen now. We're probably going to be in 2024 or 2025 before we actually recover all of the jobs that we lost due to the pandemic recession, as people like to call it. And so Janet Yellen and Joe Biden can't be seen to do nothing, even if that might be better for the U.S. economy in the long run. I mean, think about COVID. Gavin Newsom just did a new stay-at-home order. Now restaurants have to close at a certain time, and you can't go to certain restaurants to dine in. And from my perspective, based on what I know and the information that I've seen, it's not restaurants that are driving the COVID spike, but that doesn't really matter because Gavin Newsom has to do something. He has to be seen doing something. He can't be doing nothing. He has to be seen doing something. It's for show. It's for politics. And so I know that Janet Yellen is going to try to spur economic investment, spur consumption. And to be honest, it would be great if we lived in a world where the Fed hadn't been controlling the interest rate and the money supply for decades, centuries, but that's not the world that we live in. And we have lots of service sector employees, workers, many of them Black and Hispanic women who are out of work. And shit, if we have to increase the money supply to make sure that they can eat, I'm down. But I understand what's going to happen in the long term. In the long term, we're going to have a very long recovery. We're going to have another recession at some point between 2025 and 2030. And we're just going to keep going through this cycle. And every single year, 
U.S. dollars are going to lose their value relative to the yuan, the euro, gold, Bitcoin. And so all I can do is just watch and sigh and dollar cost average invest in Bitcoin, I guess.